Hi, I'm Kes Sotalif, and welcome to Margins and Memorations, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. As I don't have social media, this is the best way for people to find out about me. And if you'd like to know more about my work, you can check out otterleaf.com. Otter, like the animal, L-I-E-F-F-E. And you can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash otterleaf. A few years ago, I had a beautiful conversation with Cindy for my blog. And in this new podcast episode, we got to reconnect and discuss allopathic medicine, bodywork, prisons, and solidarity. We also got pretty deep into individualism, celebrity culture, and learning to live collectively. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Cindy is currently a nursing student, parent, and organizer with a group working to abolish prison slavery in community with people impacted by the system and medical workers. They are the parent to an amazing almost four-year-old and have worked for the past eight years as a massage therapist and body worker. Cindy finds lots of hope and grounding in speculative fiction. Hi! Hi! (laughs) This is so nice! I'm so excited. Um, I was just saying before, but I'll say it again, like, I'm really loving this um, podcast experiment, because it's giving me like such a nice reason to reconnect with people that I really want to like, know how you're doing and catch up and have a little chat and talk about some ideas. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, it means a lot. It's very humbling. Thank you. Because I'm a huge fan of your work. <laughs> no, I really am. Because we were talking about it. And yeah, I just need to say that um, I'm like a little bit of a fan kid over here. So it's very like, you know, I'm sure you and other people have that experience of getting to like talk to someone whose work has been very meaningful for them. It's like a very um, like grounding and humbling experience. And it's kind of just like very like, cool and validating and um and it it is a good reminder of um it's a good reminder of like community and hope in that way even Mm. when when things are feeling kind of hopeless Mm. thank you for making me blush um the background of that is that Cindy tried to write something about how much they like my work in the bio that I just read and I refused to read it Thank you for making me embarrassed anyway. You got it in. Um, So first question, um, you know, I think a lot about like more than human nature other than human nature. And I'm curious about, yeah, where you are and the more than humans that are around you today. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm in my home in Brooklyn. I actually um, live not too far from a prior guest and our mutual friend, Ayelet. So... I'm I'm very much in the same kind of, I listened to her episode and I really appreciate the way she described the neighborhood. One thing that I'll add about our neighborhood is that it is this really mix of, um, of like very wealthy, these huge Victorian houses, which I live in the attic of one mm. um, and uh, like rent stabilized or rent controlled, quickly becoming unrent controlled through gentrification um, housing and, and, you know, slums that are maintained as slums so that landlords can extract capital and all this stuff. And one of the funny things about the neighborhood and other than humans is that it often smells like shit. Like the mm. sewer system around here just is shitty. Like it mm. just smells. So sometimes you walk out and it smells like shit. And I really appreciate that shit is like a experience regardless of class. Like the wealthy people who live in this neighborhood can't avoid 
walking out and a shitty smell. So even though I don't love like being in a shitty smell, I'm really glad <laughs> that, and I'm not crazy about like what it probably represents about sanitation. I mm. really appreciate that um, all the like really rich people who own the houses around me have to just like walk outside and smell shit just like everybody else. Wow. <laughs> I, what I love about this story is that you were so able to reframe something really terrible into, well, the rich people have to suffer too. So it's not so, <laughs> what an amazing reframe. Like, I'm really impressed. Yeah, I love it because there's so much class. I mean, class division is so apparent everywhere, especially in New York. And I'm just like, well, that's what got to smell the shit just like everyone else. Mm. Um, so I love, thank you, microorganisms that are making it smell like shit for the rich people. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I've got two lovely cats. Last time we spoke, I had one wonderful cat mm. and he did pass um, during okay. the pandemic and we, we got two kittens and now they're, they're great. They're, they're wonderful. They're very different. I was very used to having an animal that was super attached to just me mm-hmm. and that was kind of relationship. And now these cats, um, primary relationship is to one another mm-hmm. uh, and us humans are just kind of like around and uh and and i love them for that it's really nice that they that they are like that that they are kind of like exist in our space without needing to be um in primary relationship with human i think that's pretty cool Mm. um yeah so the last time we spoke you were working a lot uh in body work and since reconnecting and reading your bio it seems like you're in nursing school and I'm super curious about that transition and yeah I remember we had a lot of conversations about like your feelings about um body work and community healing and like where it fits into kind of revolutionary struggle and resistance movements and I'm curious yeah how that's looking for you these days nursing school must be really intense I guess yeah nursing school is really interesting it's um you know it's interesting for me because I specifically went into um, other types of healing modalities or other types of, you know, health care support specifically because mm. of my um, critiques of allopathic medicine. Mm. And then I, you know, I think like a lot of people, the pandemic hit and I was like, no one's ever going to want to get a massage again. So, you know, let me think about other things and um and I kind of came to nursing through I was looking at occupational therapy as a possibility um and wanting to work also in a more institutional setting I think I was getting kind of tired of um the hustle Mm. of being a a private provider um I like flexibility but having a kid and just trying to figure out like okay how am I going to make this work and, uh, you know, never being, I'm never going to have health insurance as a massage therapist. So in the United States, you know, um, there's no nationalized health care of any sort. The closest mm. thing that we have is Medicaid, which you have to maintain a pretty low income for. Okay. So it just was, has just been, you know, it's just been like a gamble. Like I have to work and keep a very low income so I can keep Medicaid for myself and my child. Because uh, I can, I'm fine without health insurance, but I can't really exist without her having health insurance, right? right. Um, or I look for a job where I can get health coverage through my employer, which is, yeah, the only way you get it here. So, um, so that was a big factor, just like, you know, mm. brutal, brutal aspects of capitalism. And then I have a lot of friends who are nurses and they're amazing organizers, political organizers. Mm, interesting. And 
Yeah. And I was kind of getting there, you know, um, well, we were in communication because there was this horrific mass murder of undocumented massage parlor workers in the United States last year. And I was really trying to, you were so helpful. And I was really trying to do some organizing of massage therapists around that. And I just realized that I had no, um, real connections with other workers because the workplace is so isolated. Right. And, and I really, I'm just really looking forward to kind of, I started my revolutionary existence as a workplace organizer, and I was really looking forward to getting back to that. So that's like the political aspects of it. And the medical aspects of it is like nursing school. And maybe there's listeners who are a nursing school who went through who will relate, but I'm not learning anything, you know, really, um, except that, except what I need for tests and then forgetting it. Okay. Right. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's pretty, uh, that's pretty demoralizing. Uh, and, and also like, it's, you know, I always knew this. And I think all of us who have been through like capitalist and allopathic medicine as patients have experienced this, but um, it's really apparent how allopathic medicine like is so true to that. Like the, the other medicine, right. Is, mm. and I believe I'm not even sure of the origins of allopathic, but I believe from what I've read, it comes from like countering osteopathy of like looking at the whole with allopathy or the other. Mm-hmm. So like a medicine that looks at the other and how to get rid of it mm. through surgery, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. And, um, and that is just like, that's it. There's, and I don't want to say this of all providers, because I'm sure there are providers that have much more holistic views of the body. But the education and the system itself is very much about um, what is the like particular like pathological agent and how do we get rid of it? Or what is what are like the symptoms seen discreetly? And how do we eradicate each of those symptoms mm-hmm. through like it's like not a dialectical relationship right right? like we think about um in body work sometimes of like meeting the symptoms or feeling or understanding where the symptoms originate and investigating that origin and kind of like unwinding it or untangling Mm. it it's just like you know you've got asthma because your um, bronchioles are constricted we're just gonna like inflate your bronchioles and you're gonna have all these other things happen (laughs) because we're going to mess with your nervous system but like whatever and i'm like that's cool like like people are going to like die from an asthma attack i'd rather them just get their bronchioles sure. um inflated as quickly as possible or relax as quickly as possible but but uh it's not really a, a any kind of like holistic understanding and um so i'm grateful to nursing school for grounding me mm, in that right. and uh and I really have no clue where, where I'll end with this journey, but I'm just trying to really learn those lessons. I'm trying to be a little bit less, um, sectarian than I have been in the past and just Mm -hmm. be really open, but not forget, you know, where I come from and all those beautiful lessons that I've learned from, you know, holding people's bodies. Right. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I, I've definitely known people who kind of went the other way, who would like be working in allopathic medicine, 
would kind of get frustrated at like how reductive it is or like um, whatever the opposite of holistic is um, and then look for something yeah different and I, I really see those like practical elements I feel like there's something really interesting of moving in the other direction as well that you already have that kind of base knowledge and experience and that will change the way that you're kind of approaching nursing school or nursing uh, possibly in the future and yeah that they don't have to be these kind of completely opposed things and sometimes we need a bit of both and even just in the the practical aspects of who gets to access which thing and um yeah and does it feel i know you were um talking about like the, the the forms of teaching and like just memorizing things for the exam which i can imagine kind of fits um does it feel less isolating than uh, your bodywork journey that's such a good question um it does, you know, it feels really, we are all going through this together. And I know there's, um, I'm not sure how it is in other, in other places geographically, but, you know, the U.S. has this kind of legacy and present of real, um, a real dichotomy of solidarity among nurses and competition and bullying. And, um, I'm curious to see how that will play out, you know, in my own workplaces, because it really is like both really strong, like really strong solidarity, like people who aren't even political, just like, like yeah, I'm going to we're going to go on strike for this demand, you know, um, right. and then really like, like cutthroat, competitive, like hazing. And definitely I've seen we've already experienced I feel like hazing from the university um just like the way that we're sometimes talked to the experiences we go through and the way that they, we get gaslit through them like if they right. do something they're like well you're gonna be a nurse so you're just gonna have to deal with it and it's like well this wouldn't really happen wow you know I would have my schedule change like 24 hours before I'm supposed to be at a clinical site you know, in my nursing job, because I'll just sign up for my shift and go, you know, stuff. Mm. But they're like, this is just how it's going to be. So get ready um, kind of stuff. But then I've also seen real, we really come together as a class. And, um, mm. and, and at the same time, the relationship then to patients is very different. And in that way, it's more isolating, like, right. you know, started my clinical rotation in a nursing home. And it's, um, People are, I, I believe, really doing their best, but the type of relationship that is structured by the medical system is like, you know, people are kind of like repositories for like drugs and devices. Mm. It's, it's, I, I, you see that break, you see people breaking through that in moments, but the requirements of the job are that you deposit medication and hook up machines to people, and um no matter how great of a person you are, it's, it's pretty hard to break through that um, structure. Yeah, I was definitely thinking um, when you said the word structure, I was imagining, or just, yeah, like how different it must be if you're working directly and you're like running your own independent business. And it's very much, I think a lot of that work comes down to kind of people's personality the way they're holding space there's something like the way you're organizing your business there's something very kind of personal whereas in a in a structure that kind of doesn't matter you just have to do this thing and you've got eight minutes to do it and there's like there's less of 
like that personal aspect of it, which might be good in some aspects and difficult in other aspects. I can imagine that it's maybe a bit a, mi a mix of both. Yeah, no, it's really true. And I think that was part of also, I was just like, I can't, I felt so much pressure to hold space in certain ways that I just mm. didn't feel that anymore. Um, and that's sad because I like doing that. And I, and I really hope to come back to it. I really, really do because mm. it is so beautiful to be able to do that. And also, as you know, it's hard to do that, you know, because we're always in the structure. Well, I mean, we live in capital in a capitalist society. So in some way or another, if we're doing this kind of thing, you know, as part of our financial survival, um, we're, if we're creating, when we're creating those moments and that connection within that structure, we're kind of always fighting mm. against it, you know, mm. fighting to make space for ourselves and for our community and our patients. And I don't, I love that struggle. That's a really important struggle. And it's very exhausting. Right. <laughs> and Absolutely. yeah, like just back to your question before, I think the struggle, the collect possibility of a collective struggle in a workplace, even though in, and, and maybe, you know, we'll talk about this, I guess, when we talk about the prison work, but um, even though it's harder in the, in the moment when you're a private provider, you're like, you make the decision, like today, I'm going to put everything into building the space for my self and my and my patients, my clients, my community. And, you know, as an individual, you, you can make it happen usually in some mm. way or another, if it's hard. Um, and the collective space, you might want that to happen and fail. But if you are fighting for it and from a collective perspective, patients and workers together, there's a greater potential for that um, spaciousness and care to happen collectively. So it doesn't happen very often, I guess, that we succeed in building those spaces, but the potential for it, I think, is really great. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm, thank you. Um, prisons. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't need to tell you that. <laughs> They're like the worst. They're slavery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I... Last time we talked, I was doing um, work around prison abolition. I'm still doing mm -hmm. it in, in form, still, um, you know, had a lot of humbling experiences over the last four years and longer. Um, but I'm excited about the work that I'm doing in community right now because we're really working to um, organize healthcare workers and people who are, and sometimes it's the same people, right? And But and people who uh, who are directly affected by prison slavery, whether they've been locked up or a family locked up mm. or in community with people who are um, locked up and targeted by police and prisons um, to really look at the responsibility that healthcare providers have to abolish prison and, and cap and capitalism is uh, of course, of course, uh, of course. But specifically trying to focus the energy of healthcare providers who have some kind of relationship with the prison system or even don't. I mean, we all do in New York City. Um, I believe it's one in eight, one in eight black people have a relation to the prison system. Wow. Um, and I'm not sure what the number is um, more broadly in the city, but it's really quite intense. So even if you're not working in the prison or in a prison ward, you have your patients have some kind of mm. likely have some kind of interaction with prisons or police. Um, and, 
And the interesting thing about nursing school is we are learning all this stuff that's like your primary responsibilities towards your patient and, you know, like health equity and all this stuff. And it's just like prison is, is how can you talk about this stuff and not talk about the fact that we live in a country where slavery exists and where, you know, these slave plantations are really like concentration camps. They mm. really are. It's, it's, it's um, people die on the regular. Uh, we have a lot of documented deaths that we can see, but just anecdotally from people that I know, I'm like, oh, they're telling me this person died, this person died. None of those are public or documented. Um, and just the medical torture that goes on is inconsistent with the oath that medical providers take. So as much as I don't believe in the way that contemporary medicine is practiced, you know, it's, uh, 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 colonial project it's a capitalist project there is an element that you just can't remove from any healthcare provider no matter i don't mm, think sure. you remove from any healthcare provider of maintaining that commitment to caring for people um and so that's really where where we are is trying to um organize healthcare workers regardless of where they are to take a stand against the existence of prisons um mm -hmm through the lens of supporting people who are in the New York city jail system. And we have a hotline that people can call and record their um, various abuses that they're facing, or they see other people facing. We do analysis and our main goal is to get access as medical workers and community members into the jails, to the floors, to triage people, basically being like, well, no one can actually survive jail because you have people going in who are sensibly healthy who die. Mm. So from a medical perspective, everybody needs to be released because mm. it's unsustainable. It's not, no, no one can, no one is medically cleared to be in this situation. Right. Uh, and we've had some bumps in the road. We've, we've gotten certain ways in our, in our process of trying to get in and we've been bumped back and, you know, we're just kind of like, in a in a push and pull with um trying to you know continue our goal to enter the facilities while doing what we can be, until that happens mm. hope that makes sense yeah it sounds like a lot that you're holding i mean that sounds like a whole bunch of things you also became a parent since we last spoke and i'm wondering like how do you fit all this into your week and how how does it feel to be holding like you were telling me like these really difficult stories and you're also focusing on your studies and being a parent and I just yeah I feel like I just know all these like super human people holding a lot and I wonder how that looks like for you mm, I fail it's a lot too personal a question <laughs> no 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 nothing's too personal just with with you um <laughs> uh yeah I fail I often fail I think I fail frequently in my communication with people who are um who are locked up that's a mm. failure that is ongoing um and in following up on things I'm supposed to follow up on and I think I've gotten slightly better in mediating um you know the expectations I set up but um but yeah and I fail in parenting often I I yell at my child more than I would like I don't mm appropriately answer her she's a brilliant person she is very adamant that police and prisons are very very bad 
And yes, she also, as I mentioned, she she knows that leaves need to stay on the ground because mm-hmm. that's where bugs go and that's where the leaves decompose and make new soil. So she's, you know, she's not even four. She's <laughs> really brilliant. Um, she really hates the police. She she gets to the point, and, and this is like a very challenging thing about parenting because it's really hard for kids to hold complexities. They just, they're, they're, their right. brains are not it's hard for grown-ups to hold complexity i was gonna say lots of grown-ups also <laughs> struggle with that i think <laughs> i do it's really hard um and yeah her brain is just like it's so much to hold and um and uh and we talk about this stuff a lot and it's very hard and i don't have you know if we talk about grief and death a lot hmm. uh, she's very interested in death and very worried hmm. by it and i I'm not um I'm not a Christian or someone who who believes in in heaven. So <laughs> there's not an easy answer. We've been talking about right. how your body um your body goes away but your spirit is everywhere which I I believe in a lot of ways. Um I think she interprets it quite differently because she the idea of permanent loss is 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 not something that she can really handle. Mm. Um but uh, yeah, I find just to answer your question, I find myself often not being able to to really focus on addressing her questions, her big questions, as much as I would like. Um, right. And uh, but yeah, and I sleep I, lately. I've been sleeping a lot, um, which means I don't. I'm just going to bring my computer to the other room so I can plug it in. Um, I I it means I don't get the homework done that I need to get done. <laughs> right. And I, I, um, I fall behind, um, on my homework. That's another way that I hold all of this stuff. And I have a wonderful partner, um, who picks up, you know, where I, um, sorry, technology, who picks up where I leave off in particular caring for the household, um, cooking, childcare. So yeah a lot of people don't have that Hmm. when they're caring for a child so i feel Hmm. um, i feel really grateful for that but yeah it's a good question i mean how do any of us do these things i think probably pretty imperfectly imperfect is okay i mean the um, yeah i think it's interesting that you mentioned your partner and the support you're getting there because i think my next thing that i was thinking about was like the role of community in these struggles and yeah I think you answered the question in the same way that I asked it and I don't know how else we would have that conversation but like how do you individually do all these things as an individual individually or something and actually I maybe I asked the wrong question or I'm asking myself that question like oh how many things am I going to do today what am I involved in what are my decisions and actually sometimes that's I just think I'm asking myself the wrong question it's like actually like that because it it can be impossible i think when i'm like thinking about um yeah getting overwhelmed with all the terrible things and it it's i think the the it's already stuck the the starting point is weird that like me as an individual i need to do all these things get through the end of the day and also like keep myself feeling perky and well and like take care of myself and do this thing and this thing and actually like that's that's way impossible so of course we're like um failing as you call it and like being imperfect with it and maybe 
that's just kind of also a symptom of just like us being these very atomized individuals, which is a very different way um, of living than um, other people in other places and times. Oh my God. I so appreciate you saying that because I think about it's so like, it's so easy to just forget that. Right. And yet it's like so much a part of our existence. And it's so, I've been talking a lot with a friend recently um, who who is a very dear friend who um, has two children who are in the same school as my school and um, they live, their family lives very close by and we do some childcare exchange and we talk a lot about, you know, living together and community and, mm. and, you know, they're in the process right now of trying to um, purchase a home and, we've just been having these conversations about like, could we do this together? You know? And, and it's so interesting to me because the problems are really logistical. I, I don't even, I don't know the right word. The problems are capitalist mm. <laughs> that, that, that are, that are interrupting that. Um, and it, and it, it's very little to do with what our desires are for a community and for our kids. It's about um, timing, uh, you know, money, Ability, um, not knowing the future because of jobs and stuff like that, and um, it—it's so yes, it's very impossible feeling because I'm someone I believe really strongly in the necessity, and it's why I I love your work and I love the work of speculative fiction because I think our survival is dependent upon us being able to maintain our creative capacity to think in terms of humanity, mm. you know, like what humans need, because, you know, I'm, I'm like a diehard Marxist, so I apologize for being such a <laughs> dorky nerd, but you know, like I really like when I read something like a strange labor where Marx talks about how our, our um, most animal tendencies are, 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 turned into our most human and our most human are turned most animal, you know, like our, what appears to be us as humans is like our alienated work, but that's the opposite of what we are, right? What we, we are is our creativity, our love for each other, our community, our relationship to the planet and nature. And that so deeply turned against, against us in capitalism that it's hard to even imagine what do we want? What do we desire? What is our, real relationship to the earth look like without thinking of what commodity can I use to get that? Or, you know, how do I get myself enough therapy as an individual to achieve that? Or even like what group retreat do I need to purchase to do this as a group? Um, or like, how do I collectively purchase a house so that I can try to live in community? I mean, it's all questions that we just should not have to answer uh, in, in a society that would be focused on like human relations. Mm. Um, so I'm going off on a tangent, but yes. No, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to think of this stuff as individuals. So like that question is a perfect question because that is the reality that we live in, in this mm. moment. Or Part of the reality is that we are forced to face um, the world alone. Mm. And yet, you know, it's also true that we are constantly whatever tiny shred of like humanness exists within us as it gets beaten out, you know, 
is always having to strive towards um like er erupting that individualism and erupting that um aloneness with community so poof, yeah yes um yeah it's something i think about a lot i think it's i kind of yeah get stuck with it sometimes that it's just it's something i've just grown up with and just like been born into and then i'm like wait this isn't the only way of conceiving of things <laughs> and it's um i think also as someone who's like very public there's there's like an experience where people are kind of um yeah projecting things onto people who are who are very public and also like making us even more individualized as like this person knows about things and does a thing and has to be this expert or something and as you like obviously you know from my experience that isn't what's happening i mean i like take responsibility for putting some words in some books but it's not that i just came up with something in a vacuum or by myself it's like a million conversations that led to um those words and books and yeah so you know i'm happy to take responsibility but i also feel like it's not i'm not sure about credit i feel like that's that's the the tricky part for me and um yeah there's definitely i have that as a public person but i think we all have that in some way where we're like i need to do all these things and i'm expected to do it by myself because that's the only model i have of like um yeah survival and existence is me alone doing a thing and that does like that is really difficult no wonder we're so often struggling with it I mean that is a really impossible thing to hold an impossible thing to live I think it's kind of based on a lie that we're all super isolated and so like it kind of self-reproduces it it reproduces itself I guess and yeah that's tough I think the alternatives to that give me some hope and I, I do see that space opening in speculative fiction for example where yeah the ability to or the space to imagine other things when i'm like like running a workshop and people are just like i get an hour to think of something totally different to this and like there's something beautiful in those little creative spaces where it kind of gives us something to work towards as well and just like kind even if it's not true yet just imagining things can kind of make it just a little bit more possible, a little bit more true, gives us something to work towards. I, yeah, I really love it. Yeah. I, wow. I really appreciate that. And it makes me think like, what well, makes me think two things. One, like, um, it's such an inversion because, you know, I think in a really, in a really like different kind of society, upholding, um, people who are very creative and who are visionaries wouldn't have to be alienating, mm. right? Like, like take out the competition and the individualism and the and and also like what you're describing of like the expectation that people have that one person will have an answer, which is such a bizarre capitalist <laughs> like that. Like, you know, like, oh, like this one person, whether it's like a, a dictator or a, you know, um, like electorally democratically elected person, like is is going to, you know, handle things for us. Mm. Um, or the father, you know, whatever, right. the Pope, like whatever kind of structure, um, like take that away. And you have, you have 
visionaries. And, and I, and I love that about your work again, not to be a fan kid again, <laughs> but like, I love that about your work that the characters that you create, um, are visionaries and they do play a role in revolutionary activity, but they're, it never feels like I, like when I watch things with my kid, right? Like I watch a lot of kids stuff now. And one mm -hmm. of the things that I hate the most about um, about like kids television, really any television or film, but kids television is this idea that one person will save everything. So, right, like we watch mm -hmm. Moana a lot. We watch, we just watched um, Raya and the Last Dragon. And there's ways in which they're so beautiful, right? They're about um, ways that like humans have become you know, lost and need to like make a reconnection with the planet in order to uh, kind of survive and thrive, right? That's such a beautiful message and I love it, but it's like one individual, mm. does it, <laughs> you know? And what I love about your work and other work that I find really hopeful is that you can have those people who are, who are really the visionaries um, and who have ideas and set things in motion, but they're not acting out of community. They're not acting mm. in an isolated manner. And the the social movements um, and the broader societies that you're able to describe, and I don't mean to like put pressure on you, you and other, <laughs> like, you know, like really uh, amazing, there are, you know, other really amazing examples of this. Um, you know, I do think a lot about Women on the Edge of Time. I don't know Mark Piercy's politics now. I try not to think about it. Hmm. But, you know, like, that's, it. it's so much about um, the lens of, like, one person who does have a special eye, but they're really supported by broader struggles. And that, those right. types of examples that have both, or Hunger Games. I freaking love Hunger hmm. Games. You know, and in Hunger Games, yeah, like, you have Katniss and there are ways that she is like this individual hero. But if you read the books, like there's so much description of these collective struggles that are happening in all the districts that, yeah, there's some like inspiration by her image, but, but the, by no stretch of the imagination, is it about like her being the savior at all? It's about right. uh, class struggle, mm. you know? That is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely perceive it as, I don't know, different people have different roles. So this kind of, um, like zooming in on just one role, which as you as you call it, like being a visionary or yeah, having like, I don't know, good strategy or whatever the, um, whatever the role is, like choosing just one as being this like unique and special thing. And everyone who's like cleaning the toilet and making dinner, um is not important and i think that that for me is yeah that's definitely something that i i like to uh confront a little bit with the the way that i'm writing the characters specifically because um i've often been the person cleaning the toilet and i want to like have that person also be a hero <laughs> um so and to be able to be both right right exactly and that yeah or, i mean all the people are just like a bit imperfect and doing the best they can and also that kind of shakes out in the end because there's so many people doing so many things that it kind of like works out. And it's not just about like one individual with impossibly high standards 
um, who kind of has to do everything for everyone. Like that's just not a realistic thing. And it's not very like, I don't know, I don't really aspire to have a movement that looks like that because that just sounds very unsustainable and exhausting for that person and for everyone else who like doesn't, who's cleaning the toilets invisibly or something. Yes, yeah. Shout outs. Who would you like to, um, while we're talking about community, um, yeah, groups and projects and things that you would like to, you'd like people to know about. And we'll also put things in the show notes. Yeah, I'm looking at my list so that I make sure I keep it to the ones that I said. Um, so so I want to shout out um, Stop Cop City. Mm-hmm. Um, stopcop.city is the website. Um, for It's a coalition of organizations. I want to be clear. Um, just so that I'm not like claiming to be doing active organizing in this group when I'm when I'm not um, that I I very very much want to shout this group out because I think they're doing amazing work and there's ways to support from all over um, right now in Atlanta there's a plan to build an enormous cop training center where cops from all over the country possibly the world would come to train how to kill people um globally and uh, on top of the horrors of that it's um destroying the atlanta forest which is um well like all land in in the so-called united states is occupied indigenous territory and is just a really i mean there's so little um forestry natural forestry left on this land and atlanta forest is one of those places so it it covers a multitude of different um, struggles and it's just a very beautiful example of people from a lot of different political tendencies working together not beautiful. to finish the complexities but um, but it's a really beautiful project so I would suggest people check it out and there might even be ways to oppose some of the corporations involved in this even if you're not local to Atlanta um, I'm always into supporting local bail funds abortion funds um, you know I think there's nothing like big and national I have to to shout out, but um, I think working at the community level is great. And if you're feeling stuck, like check in with your local providers or activists or bookstore, um, radical bookstore and see what they have, because there's often ways to plug in and giving money is always great. But um, but really, there's lots of, of money in the world that is in the wrong hands and probably um a maybe more engaging thing to do is to to possibly get involved in those types of groups um and then my my last shout out is that i do want to shout out our mutual friend ayelet hashahar who um is just a, a wonderful herbalist and person and um i know that she's um i hope it's okay for me to to, to say this, I didn't ask her if I could shout her out, but um, we could but absolutely maybe... gush over it. Yeah, that's <laughs> we all do. <laughs> um, but she is working on building her practice, and she mm. has been um, supporting a dear friend of mine right now with a lot of generosity and support. And I just want mm. her to get like all the love um, and great clients and students and um, and support that she can. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for the oh my God, chat, thank for the answering you. all these questions. Like I, I was super curious where we would go with this conversation. I knew we'd kind of like, you know, we'd touch a few things and then we'd really get into it because I remember that's how our conversations go. And we we got into it. I really love that. <laughs> thank you so much.
I have a lot of questions for you, but I feel like I will ask them another time. Maybe I'll interview you for a podcast. Oh, okay. I, mean, I don't have a podcast, <laughs> but I one. maybe I'll make one just. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, no pressure. But you know, like, or maybe you know, other people who are like really, um, you know, I did this like review of your books a couple of years ago, and if you remember, um, I think, yeah. but uh, yeah, but just like it is not trying to do the thing that you were just like, oh my God, people do this. It's so overwhelming and like not appropriate. <laughs> but I think that it, it is really important for people who, um, it is a very special skill, right? To be able to interpret the social struggles around us into um, literature, art, you know, poetry, film, theater, all these things. And um, it's not a skill that I think I have other skills. It's not a skill that I have. And I'm just like, so in awe of that practice. And, um, and yeah, I just, it's, it's just a great, it's a great gift, you know? Um, and, and I, it is a great gift because like, because what you're doing is not just an act of like creating out of nothing, you know, because it is this act of like, integrating the struggles that you're seeing ar around you you know in the past and in the mm. present and in your case in many people's cases you do this kind of work of the future and um and that's just very special that's just very special work and I think that there's just some people in the world who um who really have that skill and it's and, and I and I very much appreciate you for that thank you it, it brings <laughs> it brings like it brings life to other to other people and to other work, you know, as well. So thank you. Yeah, no, thanks. It, um, yeah, the podcast listeners won't see me blushing, but uh, it's it's happening. Um, but I, I, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, talking about like individualization of uh, collective practices or something. I think the, I often kind of really struggle to receive. Um, uh feedback like this just because i mean i'm very i'm very grateful <laughs> just to be clear um sometimes i feel like yeah it's it's a collective work so as i say like individually i know i sat down and did the thing um and i do still work my 60 hour weeks and i you know every podcast will take like at least 12 hours of editing and processing so i'm doing a lot of invisible labor and i shouldn't invisibilize myself uh, on top of the rest of the world invisibilizing my work but I think I do sometimes find it difficult to yeah have it reduced down to me as an individual because as you say like sometimes I'm reflecting things that are happening collectively um, and they are like sometimes community experiences and the things that people have taught me um, and you know it's not like a science book where I can put all my uh, references or something it's like these are things that I've learned from like 20 years of organizing and um four years of existing and there's yeah so I I mean I, I do see that like I have a role in it <laughs> um in my work but um I do also think that it is one skill among many and yeah no I really I totally get why um why it seems like special or something and like or like um when someone does something that you personally don't feel like you can do it feels different 
Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, shout out to nurses, right? <laughs> like, I feel like all the parents. I mean, there's so much. Um, there's so many different skills, and I think the, yeah, it's quite easy. And I also have this of like focusing on just a few and then being different to all the other things and it's the people that are cleaning the toilets that are actually like running the world or something and having been that person a lot um i try not to kind of internalize like i, I just use it as like useful data i'm like great this is like you know writing has been for sure the most politically efficacious work i've done but it doesn't mean that it was more important than all that invisible work cleaning community centers for decades um and it's, it's more just like again Oh, I'm sorry. It's not separate, right? Like you wouldn't be able right. to do what you're doing. Like the, there's, from what you're saying and, and my own experience with this stuff, right? Like you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't, they're, they're, they appear or, or there's a, there's an appearance put upon you that they're, you're like, Kez the writer or like Kez the organizer and they're distinct. Right. But that's mm. like not reality. Right. And also all of those, um, skills and uh jobs but it's not always professionalized are super connected so there is no uh writing without somewhere to write there is no um public speaking without the space that somebody else organized and somebody put a cable somewhere and did it so i, I feel like it is all just very like networked and um interconnected and interdependent and that's that takes a bit of pressure off me as well because i'm like well we're all doing this um and yeah, not to like, not take responsibility for my work, but I, there's something in that as a response to like this kind of very like individualized, I need to do everything. Um, and that's not just me about myself at all. That's just like, I don't want to do that to other people sometimes that I'm like scared of, um, yeah, worshiping my friends because I do. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And I, and I definitely am. Um... Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate that reflection. And I think um, it is really hard. And I think there's a way of like, there's just, it's just so complicated because there's also ways of like hiding in collective work. I know I find myself doing that sometimes. Mm. Like, if I can collectivize this, I don't have to be uh, accountable. And Ooh, interesting. I mean, I, you know, I try really hard not to, to do that, obviously, but, 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 um, but yeah, I think that's another reason why I'm like, oh, it's so, uh, I see where also like, as someone who does collective work and then puts yourself out with a specific skill that's part of a range of skills, it's very vulnerable. I can imagine it'd be very mm. vulnerable. Mm. I don't, um do any political work like with my um name mm, right <laughs> how much is that like you know avoiding potential accountability <laughs> you know and you know what i'm saying oh, but yeah, there's, there's... i mean there's so much to what you just said and my brain is like really busy like hiding in collectivity Ooh, yes um that's our next podcast episode we've got it like <laughs> <laughs> let's get it in the calendar oh my god 